again, all you dads and dads-to-be out there. It is Davo here for another episode of the Fearless Fathers Podcast, the growing dad podcast for you to break the generational traditions that no longer serve you so you could be a better dad for yourself, your family, and your children, just everybody else in general. I got another amazing guest here with me today. I have Harvey. He is the college wizard. Harvey is a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, stand-up comedian, and one of the top, if not the top, college admission coaches out there. So this is going to be a special episode since we just had Brad Baldridge on a couple weeks ago. And with college being such a hot-button topic in today's society, I really had to sit down and hear about uh, hear about Harvey's tips, his strategies, and just a little bit of slight edges that you can get for your children so they could possibly get into their dream schools. Harvey has helped hundreds, if not thousands, of students raise their SAT scores hundreds of points, heading so close to that perfect SAT score. I don't know what it is. I was an ACT ACT kid, but I'm also a proud community college dropout, so I'll take that for what it's worth. With his proven system, the College Wizard. So Harvey agreed to sit down with me. I pretty much had to beg and plead for this man to come on the podcast, but he's here with us today to give these secrets. I'm going to squeeze it all out of him so that way you could get your children that dream school, get accepted without holding those college admissions reps by hostage or any other shenanigans that you really want to do. But also, before we get into a lot of that, we're also going to get into Harvey's uh, found joy after he lost his only child. So it's going to get a little fearless fathery out there with the deepness, but we're going to get a lot of good content out there today. So Harvey, brother, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's an absolute honor, man. Oh, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Hola from Costa Rica to everybody. Costa Rica. I am up here in Northeast Pennsylvania. It is about (laughs) to get cold as hell. I am not looking forward to it, but I am too damn lazy to move out of this state. So you know what? Bravo for you, my sir. Well, people would be surprised with a little bit of discipline what you can (laughs) accomplish. I feel like that might be a trend today. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm... We are talking today, brother. We are talking. You are here in beautiful Costa Rica, a couple hours behind me right now, but that's okay because we got that's the beauty of the internet, the beauty of a podcast, and the beauty of post production. I can make anything sound good. And Absolutely. for you listeners later on, this is actually going to be on YouTube. So you're going to see this ugly mug out there in the interwebs. So not just you're, you're going to finally see the voice to the face. And I'm really sorry for the, uh, for the beginning as we get into that. But, brother Harvey, while we're kicking this off, I want to really dive deep, fearless father style, and I want to talk about what we talked about in the introduction of the episode sure. and, and how the fact that you found joy after your only daughter passed away. Right. Well, um, I've been sort of training myself to find happiness no matter what happens, um, really since a, a psychologist appointment that I had, and this is, I guess, about 10 years ago. Okay. And it, it, there is a there's a psychologist named Albert Ellis who had this, who wrote this book called How to Make Yourself Happy and Remarkably Less Disturbable. Okay. It's, it's kind of a classic in cognitive behavioral therapy. And I actually went to a psychologist at the point that I was pondering um, that I was pondering getting divorced from my first wife after 28 years of marriage. And he gave me this book. And it's the fundamental idea is that at any moment in life, you can choose what you want to think and what you choose to think or what you ch- how you choose to 
um, package what's in front of you, your perspective choice determines how you feel. And the bottom line of this of the book was, unless you are on death's door and you're in horrible pain, you can choose to see something as happiness or as a source of happiness. You know, I mean, it's that idea that you know, even if somebody somebody's in jail, what do I do now? Well, maybe I can be an inspiration to others. Maybe I can write a book. I and mean, that, in the worst possible situation, and so we were talking about was that uh, my daughter um, was was absolutely amazing, and I I always did pride myself on being uh, an amazing father, and actually. Leading to the, let's start with something more positive and a little on topic because yeah. the way that the way that I was able to help her get into her dream school with an unasked for forty thousand dollars scholarship is really the same process that I recommend to anybody, and that I kind of do for parents or I help students do when 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 they come to me. And the point is that my daughter had uh, so many talents. She was such a talented writer. She had her first poem published in, wow. I think when she was eighth grade, right? Wow. And, and she was an amazingly talented singer. So that when we, um, we let her audition for the Professional Performing Arts High School in Manhattan. And there were 4,000 kids auditioning for 100 spots. This is a school that uh, Britney Spears went to for a while that Alicia Keys graduated from. And it was wow. fun because uh, for any of your listeners who know Sarah Highland, who's the oldest girl on Modern Family. So she was in and out of our apartment, okay. you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, but then after the second year, it was good that I, I gave my daughter this opportunity to say, do you, you know, do you want to do this? You have what it takes to be a professional singer, dancer, actress. And, and she did because she got in and she did great. And then really in 10th grade, she came to me because she realized for herself, because she was around all these professionals, you know, that she didn't feel she had the stomach for the business. Mm. And it, it's an interesting thing, that idea of putting your kid in a position to let them really see what something is like and then choose if it's right for them or not, which is also... Uh, a really uh, something I'm really proud of being able to do as a father, and and the one thing that I also did to try to, you know, to try to help her develop at that point was we were living because we had too much damn money. We were, <laughs> we were living. We we had an 18 acre estate in New Paltz, oh, New York, shit. upstate, right? Uh, but my ex wife at the time, who did like to spend the money, um, decided that. We really needed this ten thousand. We needed this three thousand square foot loft for ten thousand dollars down on the Bowery, which is like the, like the hottest. We got it for only ten thousand a month because we got it right after nine eleven, oh and it was downtown. Oh. It, it was like it's still it was smelling down there. So, oh god. But 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 the reason the reason that I gave in was that my daughter was always a little shy, and I said, you know, if if she's living in the coolest pad in school, then at least kids are going to come to see it. And then they'll at least get to know her and they'll come to love her. 
which is kind of what happened. And so we were there and, you know, we're living in Manhattan and she got all of those. And, and the reason I actually chose Manhattan was because of the drinking upstate, really, that she mm-hmm. came home from a party with, um, she was 14, maybe 13, 14. And all of the kids had been upstairs in the bedroom drink they like drinking liters of vodka at a point and i I know his parents chaperoned so dads if you're chaperoning if you're chaperoning here's a trick just knock on the door and see if they're hungry Mm. wink wink (laughs) 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 i don't wait too long to open after you knock and you might catch some alcohol that wasn't supposed to be there but my real concern was that this is something i couldn't control you know and she'd end up dead in a, uh, you know, getting in the car with somebody who was drinking, right. something like that. So we said, right. Manhattan's definitely going to be better. And But then in 10th grade, and everything was going great, and she was had friends, and she loved the school. She But now what is she going to do with her life? And I say this story because I assume that many parents get to that point where, you know, like, what am I going to do? What, you know, what's my kid going to do with their life? And what I said, which I asked students who, who work with me as well, is start with, think of it, what would you like to do? That's a job. I mean, you know. Right. Not right. playing Fortnite necessarily. What do you, what, <laughs> well. what, 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 what as a job might you like to do? Not about how much money, just what would you like? And she actually came back to me with, I would love to work on a Bravo reality show. Wow. That's specific. Yeah. Well, That's very I, specific. I, I, I I can't say that for every kid, but sure. sometimes parents get answers based on the questions they ask, based on what the child thinks they're supposed to say. Right. Right? And as an entrepreneur, I believe you can make money out of pretty much anything. And so, and so that's a confidence that I have. And I said, okay, honey, let's – well – why don't you start by taking some classes at the New York Film Academy? So take some directing classes, take some producing classes, see if you like that. And she was actually doing it. And then I did put on my college wizard cap, which always is, what can my kid do that other kids aren't doing? Because that's the big problem now. You have, it's, getting into college has become a little bit like having an American Idol backstory. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely It's that competitive. Insane. It's insane. But it doesn't have to be that hard. You just have to change your thinking. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Think, what are my son or daughter's talents, and how might they be able to offer them to the world? Now, at this point with my daughter and thinking, she, and, she want, and she decided she wanted to go to a program for screenwriting. So I already said, well, every kid who's going to program for screenwriting is probably going to do something on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. I said, so how can we go beyond this? Well, this is, again, for people who do want to work with me, the advantage is that I know a lot of stuff. And I know that every film festival across the country has a teen day that's almost guaranteed you'll get in because not many kids, not many teens submit films. And we had, as a family, um, we financed an orphanage, a 10,000 square foot orphanage in Ethiopia. And I made her give all of her bat mitzvah money to that. So, and we did a little documentary around that to try to raise more money. Um, 
And so now I said, so for Christmas, for Easter break, we're, we're going to, we're going to go to Ethiopia and you can do a documentary about the experience. And, and then I left it up to her and she was very creative. I mean, she started doing interviews in her school and one of the coolest parts of the film is when she juxtaposes interviews with kids on the Upper East, you know, in Manhattan <laughs> yeah. with, with Ethiopian kids asking, oh, what are your shit. dreams for the future? What, what's important to you? Right? No, it was, it was a very... That's heavy. It ended up being yeah. a very deep film. Um, it was, but it was just a 20-minute film. She learned sure. about Final Cut Pro. She wrote it. She cut it together. She added the music. She produced it. And I just knew that for $10, she was able to have it screened at the Woodstock Film Festival. After which I said, call up the Woodstock, because we live near there, call up the Woodstock Film Festival, see if they can use a volunteer. So I can say, you're an intern on your application. See, so you start putting the story together, right? And that's what it's about. You need, you need your son or daughter to be the hero of their own story. And... I mean, people can do things out in the, uh, you know, children can do things in the world with a little bit of guidance. And sometimes parents don't even know it. I actually had a guy, a, a dad called me and he was talking about his uh, kid's project and that he had started a blog and then he was getting this mystery, like two to $3,000 a month checks coming in. And the dad thought it was okay. garbage. And I said, when I talked to the kid, the kid had figured out how to use Google AdWords and he was basically finding jokes and he was so personable that he had built a following of like 50,000 people. No shit. And he was making $3,000 a month from people clicking on the ads that he had, that Google AdWords let anybody do. Most 16 right. or 17 year olds don't think, oh, I can put these on my, and just all people have to do is click and I make money. And so what we needed to do is explain to dad, no, your kid is an advertising mogul, okay? And <laughs> That's absolutely insane. And it, it brings me to the idea that not only are we going to talk about discipline, but it comes down to the power of persistence, the power of ideology, and being creative and harnessing that creativity outside of a normal box. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think that's what a lot of people fail to pick up on because you think about SATs. And I, I think we all get stuck into this thinking trap of like, oh, man, the SATs are up. So the proven way is you sit down, you go to an SAT prep group, you mm -hmm. fucking sit around and you study your head off for 16, 18 hours a day. And then you try and raise it 300 points. Well, you're a super smart kid, but you should be able to pass these tests. But for so many people and like myself included, when I was in school, testing out the door i'd get major anxiety i would crumble i i would just right. falter I, I would falter and there's so many kids out there that if you let them open up their creative outlets and you just say okay the power of perception in this is not the fact that you need to sit down and study but let's look at it in your strengths let's look at it with your traits and how can we make it something that's beneficial for you and for you particularly <clears throat> um well i will let me finish about where I was going sure. with my daughter, Absolutely. and then I'm going to get to SAT. I'm just yeah. 
You're just inciting my yeah. passions here, Dave. Oh, inciting <laughs> my passions. So, so the point was that my daughter um, followed my advice, made the documentary, got in uh, to actually Ithaca College. And I didn't even know because we were just so happy she got in. And they send you a whole folder. And the top sheet says you got in. That's all I was interested in. Yep. It was about a week later I started what else is in here? Behind page one was another page that said, Samara, if you will accept our offer of admission, we would be happy to reward you a $10,000 a year Rod Serling writing scholarship, which, I mean, my daughter didn't realize how cool that was, that it was a scholarship endowed by Rod Serling, the guy who started you know, Twilight Zone. Right. And he was a he was a, an English teacher also at Ithaca College, where she went to school. No, I never and that. she, wow. this was not a, this was purely because luck. I mean, we were, I was already an internet multimillionaire at the time. And right. So, you know, so it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't her financial need. It was simply because she had presented so, herself in a way that was so unusual, that was so cool, that this mystery scholarship, which was not advertised on the website, was simply given to her. And she graduated school, and the, even the even the fact that my daughter was brilliant, but b- based on what she wanted to do, and knowing that my daughter really didn't like to read, this is this was the best place for her, you know. And interest, and then I'll, my my last my last um, big. I'm now getting my two big uh, successes as a parent before we talk about how she died, and I was able to still sure. make myself happy. First sure. one was. When she went, when she went to college, and we realized it wasn't a very, it, it wasn't as intellectually challenging a school she could have gotten into, but it was perfect for what she wanted to do. So we made a little deal, which was she loved TV. Said you know she wanted to work for Bravo reality shows. She was hooked on these reality shows, but really she was thinking beyond it. She was thinking, how do I make one? You know, not just what's happening in their life. Like how does this working? What is what is the interplay? How do I make one? So we said. We will pay $100 a month for you to have cable in your room, your dorm room. We know it's an extravagance. In return, for you, being, you must be on Dean's List every semester because we know you should definitely be able to do that. And she agreed, agreed to the deal. Freshman fall, perfect. Freshman, freshman spring, three weeks in, get a call crying from my daughter. And you know as, as dads, oh. it's hard. when the, It's a daughter. They start crying about how... You know that the teacher was a bad teacher, and in the end, it was a, it was a signed reading that my daughter, who didn't like to read, didn't do, and she got <laughs> caught on the midterm, and she got a C on the midterm, C on the midterm in a class with only three grades, midterm, final, and paper, and I said, "Well, honey, it looks like you've lost. I said you'll, you've you've lost probably your cable TV for next semester, but." That's your incentive. You'll, I know you can do it. You'll right. just work harder, and this time you'll do the assigned reading. I don't hear from her till the end. Uh, talking about grades or anything, I don't hear from her till the end of the semester. Do you know what she got in that class? She got a solid A. Wow. Now, wow. as a dad, I will tell you that I was kind of happy that it was a female, not male professor. Otherwise, I would have wondered a little more deeply what kind of magic... <laughs> Right. Did she pull to get a straight A when a third of the glass was a, was a C? And I never really asked her much, but what I figured out is that her desire for that, 
cable TV and my unwillingness to give in to my daughter crying allowed her to dig deep and discover her own assertiveness. She must have brown nose that teacher. But <laughs> got him. <laughs> no, but it but in a but in a right. but in a polite way. You know? Right. But in a right. but in a but in a can I carry your books way? Can I can I help you with some papers, teacher? Let me shine right. your shoes, okay. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it took, and I was so proud of her, you know? So proud of her. And the other one was when she came home um after freshman freshman uh i guess freshman year and and okay. like i said we had plenty she had money in the bank you know she had all everything was paid for and she that's when she declared that she what she was going to hang out and party with her friends that summer because she didn't need the money anyway and they didn't have jobs mm. they've been somewhat true and we said well honey because at this point you're 18 and i said no it doesn't work that way that's rules of the house okay you can't be a bum in the summer. You gotta, you gotta get a job. You gotta get right. a job. And she was like, and then, then she got smart. And she said, well, um, cause I said, oh, you can't live here. And then she said, well, I can go live on my, I can go live in my friend Gabby's for the summer or <laughs> whatever, or just, I can go live in my friend Gabby's. Right. And then I had to say, well, honey, if you do that, they, we just have to have a talk. They have to understand they're basically adopting you because if you decide to do this, you're not coming back. You know, I mean, it's going to break our heart, but right. that's the deal. And she relented. It was a really crap. It was crappy in that it was a job at a very high end store where she had to deal with very picky, very difficult, mm. very wealthy women. And she did it. So, again, I was so, so happy. But what happened was I went through a very, very messy divorce. Um, and after 28 years of marriage, I didn't leave until my daughter was already a junior in college, but it did kind of just, it, it basically destroyed the relationship I had with her. And it was very, very difficult because I, I felt guilty after the 28 years and eh, what the heck, it, we talk about everything here, right? Right. It's a lot to get all to get all the details. <laughs> you better just go to my YouTube channel and, and see my stand-up comedy. But bottom line, I was depressed. I took Prozac. Discovered I was latently bipolar. This is this is all. This is how, and it built me my whole stand-up comedy act. This the, the next crazy eight years of my life. I, <clears throat> I which I would not have done before. I because Prozac. May, turned me into a sex crazed maniac. Basically, I, I, I had an episode of mania, but I just wow. thought it felt great. And the doctor didn't know because no one had ever diagnosed me as bipolar. I started, I discovered livejasmine.com. Do you, do you know that site? It's a, yeah. Live Jas- I feel it's, like um, I know the name, but I just, <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing, it's, it's, a, it's a billion dollar porn site. And the mm. thing is that um, at any show I do, it's so interesting how some of the women seem to know it, know it but none of the men have ever heard of it. <laughs> hmm. and that, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, the site, it's basically you get to chat with beautiful young Romanian webcam girls. And it's an educational site because they learn their English and you get to ma- learn how to masturbate on Zoom. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but anyway. Yes. But, yes. but I, but then when she said, you know, she loved me. I thought I was Richard Gere, hyped up on Prozac, and uh, I, I, 
after first telling my ex-wife what was going on and saying, you know, this is crazy, we need, she had a, like a friend living in her house with her. And I said, we, we need to try to work on our marriage. And she refused. So I, I, I right. basically moved to Romania and married a Romanian webcam girl. So, and, and, and I do that and I offer that. The man's defense. dream, let's be honest. <laughs> In in defense, in defense of my ex-wife's anger, I mean, it's been pointed out to me that I humiliated her. Hmm. You know, but which led to, even though I felt so guilty, I gave her her entire $4 million net worth. She tacked on an extra million dollars of alimony. And when I stopped paying after a couple hundred thousand, she got a court order, kept me out of the country. Because if I go in, I have to pay this money. They put me in jail until I pay the money, which, which can really wreck your relationship with your daughter especially when your ex-wife says, well, because right when this happened, I said, honey, we'll make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And sure. you love to travel. And anytime you have time off, I'll fly you to Europe. We'll meet a different city in Europe every time. And this was going to be our inaugural meeting. And she said, uh, no, sorry. And she was very excited. And then she said, mom said, I can't because she doesn't know who you're hanging out with in Romania. And you might be, that you might be with criminals who will abduct me. Now that's all you have to take, and that's all you have to tell an anxious kid. So, as you can see, Jesus. So I spent. So the point is, I spent eight years in this kind of hell because I'm talking to my daughter. I want to be honest. We had this amazing relationship before, you know. Right. And and now, if I mention I took a trip here or there, it's always so. Why don't you give that money to mom, right? And so. I and I go to I turn into like the crazy, you know, spendthrift, you know, untrustworthy, right. possibly criminal dad. Right, right, right. So, so I don't really get to talk to her about stuff like you know, and I didn't even know. I found out later that she'd been in a relationship with a guy who was an alcoholic for seven years. You know, mm -hmm. and so you're not. You know, she's talking to to her mom three times a day. I don't know why that, <laughs> I don't know. But, but the point is that, so then uh, the pandemic had started. She was working on reality, Bravo reality show. She was a production manager, you know? So she, it exactly, and she was supposed to be spending her free time writing scripts. That's the normal regimen. If you, if you're very talented, you have to, you do that. Keep, keep and I don't know ass. how much you, I know she was done some, some writing. I don't know how much, but I do know, that after the pandemic, one night, uh, she had a little party at her house with some friends, found out later that she drank a huge amount, which, and she was actually on Prozac. It's funny. She was on Prozac for, for, for her anxiety, which was fine for her, you know? So, but, but you're never supposed to drink anything with Prozac. Right. So, so Prozac, alcohol, cocaine, she she walks out of sight of her apartment. We only know this because there was a video camera, which because of what happened was a certain saving grace. I never saw it. I just know that what happened happened, which is my daughter at a boredom had been doing these Instagram pictures of herself, like on the top of buildings, like try to put herself in dangerous places and take a picture. Right. Okay. She stepped over the railing of her third floor apartment to take a picture and fell to her death in the courtyard below. Jesus Christ. I'm and they so just sorry, Harvey. No, thank thank you. I mean, and wow. and so what I was what I was saying, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. Right. And you know, now when people are listening, they're like, wow, wow. 
So, yeah. And now I'm going to tell you just to make it work. And I'm only going to say this because if I'm able to be, if I'm able to be smiling here, uh, when I've tell you the next thing to happen, which is my brother, my three-year-old brother, my brother who's three years younger than me, took my ex-wife's side in the divorce. Oh my God. <laughs> Completely Jesus. took my ex-wife's side and wow. said the whole thing was all my fault. You know, so the point was when my daughter died, I did not get a call from my ex-wife and I did not get a call from my brother. I got a call from my high-strung mother, my 87-year-old mother. So imagine getting up on a Saturday morning and yeah. she says, my mother, you know, this very strong, you know, Bronx accent. She's like the, the star of my comedy routine. Harvey, did you hear? Hear what? <laughs> did you hear? What? Samara's dead. So that was how I found out. Oh, my God. And. Wow. And it was what it was, you know. And right. and then you're like, now, now what do I do with this? You know, the, the pain and the. And I'm also kind of isolated here in Costa Rica to, you know, to a certain extent. I have a few friends that I was able to kind of, um, you know, talk through. But I relatively quickly, what came to me, this is this training, this idea of anything you can choose how I want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I mean, now, you know, it's been over two years. And, you know, I've had a lot of time to process. I've had, and, and honestly, it's incredibly therapeutic, the work that I get to do. I, mean, I was doing it before, but to work with teens, to be able to be hopefully instrumental in helping them reach their dreams and guiding them and stopping them from making mistakes. And hopefully, I can maybe stop a few mistakes when we start talking about the SAT and the other stuff right. um, with the people who are listening today. Because when I, when, But occasionally, when a parent, because there's a lot of not such great um, information out there. There are people who I think take advantage of the desperation the parents feel about it. Well, oh my God, what's going to happen to my kids? That you know that I'm happy to be able to provide you know really true advice. And sometimes parents will just straight up tell me, "How do I know I can trust you?" And and I'm saying, "Well, you know, this isn't just you know I I don't need this for my mortgage. I'm lucky enough. I'm you know." Right, uh, living here in right. Costa Rica, I've, I, I'm 63 years old. People sometimes when they look at me, they don't think I'm that old. So I said, you know, I've I've had a lot of time to do everything that I want to do in my life, and this is my chance to give back as much as I possibly can, and in part as a way of honoring my daughter. And when she died, I it just came to me when I you know when I die, when any of us die, how long do we want? the people closest to us to be miserable. I really thought of it that way. You know, in, in the sense of what purpose is my misery going to serve? Is that going to honor my daughter? You know, honestly, even now, I some, when I talk about my daughter's death, I'm worried much more about the person I'm talking to than me. Because what I realize is that when a, you're a parent and you hear about somebody's child dying, which you really doing in a split second is imagining you being in that situation. You know, it's like that thing when they, right. When they talk about cutting somebody's member off as a man, you know, it's, it's like, it's going to be in the movie. Just, uh, just a mention of it. Right. It's I'm like, already, I'm already swimming now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, right. So I, so, you know, so uh, I get that. I get that. So I feel kind of responsible to try 
to, you know, make people who are listening to me feel better. But that's the first thing. Like once, you know, that if you could be happy, the person who died would probably be happier. Number one, I thought also, and I also thought, um, the truth is this has been, this relationship has been really, really difficult and it wasn't looking like it was going to get better anytime soon. You know, in other words, I wanted to be close to my daughter. Right. She sort of had rejected me. I mean, you know, she was, she was coming around more and more, but it was, she had once told me it's never going to be what it was the same. Right. And so again, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't like I did something that caused this, but this being the case, I allow myself to look at the fact that I was now free from my relationship with my ex-wife, that I was free from the pain that this relationship was going to bring me at least for who knows how many years. There were so many things. What happens when they're grandkids? I can't go to the States to see them. So many things, you know? And, and then actually I, had, I was given this opportunity to contribute a... Um, to contribute a chapter to this book, Creating Joy, which ended up becoming a bestseller. And see that in the modern philosophy category, it only took 42 years to get a return on that philosophy degree from Dartmouth. So there you go. But <laughs> it's bad. all bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, but it's how that's when anything that happens to us so often, so often, you know, people get fired and then, oh my God, mm-hmm. my life is over. And, and if they, if you look a little, bit further you can it's it's not sometimes we don't see the opportunities because we're so hung up on on our pain you harvey first and foremost thank you for sharing that story i mean i i took a lot out of that story and i got to know you who you are as a person and who you are as a father in that 20 some minutes that was super heartfelt. It was super emotional. I could see the passion. I could feel the emotion. So first and foremost, thank you very much for sharing that story. Because I, I know why we're all here on this earth. Is the that truth. is exactly well, one why we're here on this earth, and two why we're here on this podcast. Because we don't fucking talk about this shit. So let's fucking talk about it. And a couple things I wanted to just tell our listeners and talk about. Sure. Take what Harvey's saying. It, it's the matter, like. There's a lot of similarities between you and me, Harvey, in the fact that this podcast started two years ago, April of 2020, during COVID, and we talked about it off air. Like the Renaissance happened because of the plague. Like this was almost our mini Renaissance. And you found therapy in helping others. And you easily could have said, you know what? Life sucks. I'm not allowed to see my daughter. I fucking hate life. Like your your perception could have been the multitude of every other American man, woman, child, human being on this planet. But instead it became the perception. You, you change the perception, you change the reality. And I, I want you guys listening to that today to really take that in. Cause that's what I took in on this. That's the whole reason why this podcast started is if I took my perception back in 2018, when I almost did the unthinkable, we wouldn't be here having this conversation today. And I know for many of you old listeners, you know the story, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that story too much. We we know why we're here, why we're here. But take what Harvey's saying. Take those little bits of pieces of information. I mean, the fact that he did how many dads don't go their entire lives with seeing their kids? Harvey went eight years. You went eight years, man. And 
the fact that you kept well yeah just to be clear we would we would see each other and luckily i was able like in europe you know and like we had had it it was sure yeah so so we had these little things but right it wasn't normal it wasn't easy and it, it, it was it was such an extenuating circumstance where so many other dads and friends like myself they have they're in the same state as their children and they still don't get to see them i mean granted you were completely a world apart but it was so hit or miss and it wasn't like your daughter said, it wasn't going to be the same that it once was. And I think that's one of the hardest points for dads to even hit on is like hearing that. And you're so close. and You're like, fuck, that's what it's going to be now. I mean, for so many people out there, they would applaud you for that. But I think we all have the strength in ourselves to really change that perception, change that reality and look at things in a different light than saying, well, woe is me instead of saying what what is causing this instead of why did this happen? You know? That that's kind of the point that I that I'm trying to bring out of this. Well, it is now 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 it gets something a little funnier because you know, I mentioned about me marrying this Romanian webcam girl. Yep. And 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 honestly, I mean, I, and this is also why I don't regret anything. Okay, because the problem is you just you know the story is bigger, so you don't know yet. Think think of a movie, you know, where right. if it's a really well-written movie, there's that thing that happens early on and you don't even pay attention to it. And, oh, my God, so that led to this, led to that, and that's how that happened. So so it's funny only because I'm, I'm very proud of, of my current appearance and I put a lot of work into it, but not as much as some people would think. And this, when you say about appearances and impressions, right. do you want to know my biggest beauty secret? Send it. It's my black beard for men beard mascara. Uh. Because look at the percentage of my face that is my beard. Now it's it's a, it's like a it's it's similar to right. your beard actually. It's a little more right. It's, right? Beard, yeah. And people will say it on the other video parts. You have to you have to go look at the video <laughs> to see our beards, okay? Or, or or just look at the pictures or something. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but but anyway, we see the beards. So it's that my beard is completely white. So you have to imagine if you saw me with a completely white beard and yeah, and I color and, you know, and have my hair cut every three weeks, right? So everything matches, but just that little, and I, again, I discovered it and you know how I actually discovered this whole thing happened because of, I didn't tell the whole truth. I've had two Romanian webcam girl wives. (laughs) Winner. (laughs) We got a baller on the podcast today. Let's go. So let's go. Yeah. So, so what happened? So there I am in Romania, you know, and with a 25 year old, I was 53. She's 25. And I've been heading into feeling like this is, I'm on the, I'm on the, the downhill to death. It had, I think it was around 4950. I heard my daughter at the time she was about 20. And guys are going to appreciate this. Louis C.K. did something about this before he was yeah, completely shunned. I think I know where you're going with this. Yep. Where he said, you know, once you get to a certain age, it's like women are just looking through you. You don't exist anymore. And I hear my daughter and her friends talking about this guy who was 42 going out with one of their friends who was 20. And mm. it was just like, oh, that's so disgusting. <laughs> and, and honestly, I'm in the next room and that's all it took to feel like yep my life is over okay, wow. okay so that's that point all right so so that's where i am and then you know this thing this budding romance with this i mean it was in some respects it was beautiful this romanian red cam girl right where you know it just it, it really became more of a relationship i 
we used to, at night, I would put my laptop on the bed and like put music, and we would kind of go to sleep to a song and then wake up to a song. We had meals together. I was the original 90 Day Fiance is the point. I, I mean, I for anybody who's listening, my wife loves that show. She would I, love to hear that. I am only five foot three, 160 centimeters. You can't tell by the, but, but anyway, so I believe I can give Big Ed a run for, for being <laughs> the resident, the resident short guy in 90 Day Fiance. And I've got a neck. Sorry, Ed. But anyway, uh, anybody knows the guy. But so, as it turns out, in Romania, everybody's very, very image conscious. The poor country, very, very image conscious. So right away, you know, my first Romanian, I, I call her Irina. It's not a real name. It's I use the name in, in my comedy routine. I just try to, I don't try to, you know, go out and hurt people because right. Um, she doesn't, you know, that's like one of her secrets. Uh, but she starts saying, you know, why don't you dress in these clothes? And it was her idea. She's like, why don't you grow? Oh, I think one day I hadn't shaved. And she said, that's looking good. Why don't you grow that? And actually, my haircut is a kind of Romanian cut topped off with a an inch of hair transplant across the front by Dr. Felix, hair transplant doctor to the stars in Romania, which cost me $4,000. And actually, if there's any of your listeners who want to a top-notch chief <laughs> Romanian hair transplant. They can email me. I'll tell. I'll, I'll set you up. But so then, little by little, right? My like my face is changing. The way I dress changed. My body is changing. And then she dumps me for a mutual dentist. <laughs> wow. Was he taller than five three? I think that's the real question. We he was. Know. Well, but but the but the. But again, sometimes life just packs its own punchlines. Yep. It does. Because it really as it does. turns out, this dentist, our mutual dentist, used to used to throw big gay orgies every weekend. So basically, ex-wife number two left me to become my gay dentist beard. So that it didn't last that long. But then I decided, I decided that I wanted to uh you know that changed things up. Got you know, did you know? Got new clothes and just see so you do what you know. You do what you know. Right. So I went right back on live Jasmine, showing my schmeckle to new webcam girls. But I decided definitely not a Romanian, just not a Romanian, not a Romanian. And and this girl shows up, and everybody has their you know their names. And she was Indian princess, and she looked like one. You know, she had brown hair, long, rather this caramel colored skin, long beautiful dark hair and this little dot right in the forehead you know one of those yep. thingamajigs could have been a dot of marinara sauce who knows how can you tell on zoom but anyway and i'm getting all excited and the first time she sees me you know when the camera opens you go in private she opens and she says oh you're sexy i want to fuck you in real life that's all i was like <laughs> which 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 town in I, India do I need to fly to? <laughs> and that's when I discovered she told a little lie because you know, she created the impression because a lot of guys said this right. Indian fetishes, right? Well, I, I'm not actually Indian. I'm a gypsy. <laughs> and do you know, because the gypsies started off in India and migrated to, wait for it, oh, Romania. Romania. <laughs> yes, people. So, so there I am. So 
X, crazy ex-wife number three, and you can, on YouTube I have a little thing about in crazy ex-wife number three. Um, yeah, we. Well, guys will understand this. Why you might be willing to do? She was. She wasn't twenty. She wasn't young. Twenty-five. You know, like ex-wife number two. She was twenty-one. So it's a twenty-one-year-old Romanian gypsy dropped at go- so sexually out there. One time she went out with her, while I was with her. One time she went on a she went out to a dinner date with her. She went out to dinner with a girlfriend of hers. Guy comes over to the table, incredibly well dressed, super handsome, and says, "I'm sorry, please don't take this the wrong way. Um, if but if I don't ask, I'll never be able to live with myself. Would you be willing to sleep with me for seven thousand euros just for Jesus one night?" Jesus Christ! <laughs> that was what I tells you. So. And and it turns out she was bisexual. And we'd be in the middle of sex, and she would start, I need a girl, I need a girl. So we'd have to call somebody up to be the threesome, usually wow. one of her cousins. No, that's just a joke. But uh, <laughs> no, we, we used Backpage before it went out of business. Mm, but There it is. There it is. And so, you know, and, and this is going along. And then, and then it, it basically ended... Um, the day she showed me her positive pregnancy test, six months to the day that I had received my uh, my uh, test from uh, from my vasectomy. So, <laughs> she, but the interest because what happened was it was during the time that I was exiled in Bulgaria because we were talking about it was like a ninety day fiance situation. I was right. in there. I was overstaying the visa. Like you know, we really need to get married. I don't know. I got stopped at the border uh, on my way out of Romania and and basically exiled for 90 days. I can't go back there. I can't go to the U.S. Wow. So to be close to her, I'm 90 days in Bulgaria in the Bulgarian winter. <sighs> Nothing to do. As it turns out, that's why she wouldn't come and visit me because she was already screwing the taxi driver by then that she eventually had the baby with. But... In Roma- in Bulgaria, with nothing to do in the winter, and I can't even read the street signs because it's in Cyrillic, the Cyrillic alphabet. It's like the Russian alphabet. You, I don't, I can't even say what I. I it's like in, at least in Italy, I can say it. I can't even right. say anything. But there was a gym because it's so cheap to live in Eastern Europe. Fifty dollars a month for unlimited personal training, unlimited gym for fifty bucks. I had nothing to do. And for 56 years of my life, I had never actually gotten into, you know, chest <laughs> chest day, arms day, yeah, legs yeah. day. Never done that until, until Vlad showed me. It's, when oh. we're st- it's very cool. We're still Facebook friends. He has two daughters now. And, awesome. and I send him, you know, I, I send him thanks for changing my body. So by the time... Crazy ex-wife number three decided to divorce me and then throw me out of the country because she said she was too jealous to see me with anybody else. And now I had no place left to live. I can't go back to the U.S. My residency is started in Costa Rica. It's the only place I can go back. And so... I used the George Costanza technique from Seinfeld. 
the one where he shows up with a he shows up at a reception desk and there's a beautiful woman and he just he shows a picture in his wallet claiming it was his dead fiance. I don't know if those remember from yes, that yes. he had a dead fiance after he gave her contaminated <laughs> envelopes to lick for their wedding uh, invitations. So, so yeah. So, but the point was that if he showed the pic, it was Jerry's girlfriend. And because the one behind the desk saw him with, and thought that was his girlfriend and she was so pretty, you're in the club, you get into the beautiful woman club. So, I took advantage of this picture on a boat in the Mediterranean with crazy ex-wife number three, who was gorgeous. And you know what I did? I took out, I don't know where it came to me. I just took out an ad on Craigslist in Costa Rica hmm. with that picture. And my current wife, who at the time was 27, I was 57. And I did tell a white lie because when people looked at me, they would, they thought I looked at the time like, 37, just like now people usually think I'm about 43, about 20 right. years younger. And I said, you know, if I put the 57 in the ad, I'm going to get out who I want. The, people are going to think it's weird. Or I said, you know, and I wasn't particularly like, oh, I want to go with you. It's just that I sort of went through the, it was almost like this process from the time that I left New York through the two Romanian marriages and everything that happened and the way they cleaned me up. <laughs> And the way the Bulgarian and the way Vlad built my body, right? And so I take out this Craigslist ad. A bunch of people answered, including my now wife, who happens to be a doctor of psychology and is wow. drop dead gorgeous. And she was in her house, you know. I mean, she she had some problems in her home life. The point was, she wasn't in a happy space. I wasn't in a happy space. And she admits now that when she saw the picture, she was like. And cra the Craigslist's personal is kind of, it's easy to stand out in a good way, you see, because <laughs> it's basically full of you know, skeevy guy. And she was like, oh, what's man. wrong with this guy? And the first thing I did when we met on Zoom was just tell, I said, how old do you think I look? And she said, 37, like your photo. And I said, I'm 57. I explained why I did it. We got past that. And 30 days later, I was on the plane to wow. to meet Raquel, who's now my wife. And then just because it's a guy show, what can happen? What can happen if you just focus and try to be really good at something? In this case, trying to be, you know, the best version of myself. Mad, and of all days for it to happen, I'm on a transatlantic flight. I'm seated in the very rear seat of the plane. It's a three-seater, but there's only two of us, me and a 25-year-old Slovenian woman. Okay. And we're talking for hours and hours and hours and just chatting. I, you know, then they turn the lights down. I, we, you put the blanket over your lap. Yep. I close my eyes, and I feel a hand massaging my hand. And I swear my first thought was, well, she's European. I guess she's friendly. <laughs> Until until the uh, until the uh, the hand starts working its way into my crotch, and I real and I and now I'm I got to do a pretty quick calculation because I'm like, at this point I'm divorced. The my third divorce, yeah. Romanian divorce is much easier than American divorce, just in and out, you know. But um, I'm like, now what do I do? I'm like, if I do something here, 
I have no guarantee that Raquel is even waiting for me. There's a typical 90 days fiance situation. You know, you get there, yeah, you don't yeah. know. Maybe they, maybe they had cold yeah. feed. Maybe, I mean, we were at least on Zoom, so I wasn't worried about a catfish. But I'm like, if I do this, there's just no way out. <laughs> because I can't, you know, I, without being really mean to this woman, you know, and just like, you know, telling her I'm going to the bathroom <laughs> and then escaping. <laughs> Or or oh, worse, you know, I go and meet Raquel and she is the love of my life. And yeah. then, you know, and then this one says, but you fucked me on the plane. What are you doing? You know, so, you know, really loosen all, all my cred there. Oh, but man. and and we we have created this together. This per, it's the fourth time I finally got it right. That's amazing. And and what I learned about, you know, mistake. And the truth is, guys may realize this. It it's possible to marry your mother. Oh yes. And if your mother is emotionally abusive, that uh, that's kind of what I. I mean, one of the jokes I have is that I sometimes I'll, I'll I'll find the prettiest girl in the audience, ask her name, and then I'll say, you know, you are gorgeous, my dear, but I can never be with you. <laughs> and she says, "Why not?" I said, well, because I can only be with a woman who's absolutely passionate about criticizing and humiliating me, and, which is, <laughs> which is, which is kind of, you know, I mean, when I was, this is, this is just a slight paraphrase of a conversation, you know, that, that I had with my mother, which was um, when I was six. She said, you know, Harvey, I, I never wanted a very dumb kid, but I didn't want a very smart kid either. I wanted one right in the middle, someone who would blend in and not stick out. And I have to tell you, Harvey, that that as your mother, clearly, I have failed miserably. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that kind of tells you what it was. But but the truth is, it's also, if I really trace it back, and it's it's sort of very cool now, my mother's 89. And she still runs on the treadmill. So I do have good genetics. That's also, you have to take advantage of what you got. Good genetics. And I tell her all my jokes. I tell her all the jokes I'm going to to say about her. And some of it, some of it is very true and very real. Like, the truth is that I I say I inherited two things from my mother. Um, the, the, The no filter, I say whatever I think. And an incredibly strong sex drive. Now, you may wonder how I know that. And I'll tell you. <laughs> and I'll tell you. See, I was about 13. I was walking by my parents' door, and I hear this strange humming sound coming from the bedroom. Strange humming sound. I knock on the door once, no answer. Knock again, no answer. Then I decide I just gently push the door open, and there I see her, my mom alone in the bedroom playing with you guessed it her oh. sewing machine <laughs> Touché, that sir. was the humming Touché. sound that was the humming sound and then she looked up at me and for no particular reason as far as gum says she said harvey you know i've got an incredibly strong sex drive like i said no <laughs> no filter on that woman but 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 at this point, I we actually laugh together. I tell her this stuff, and my 89-year-old Jewish mother Oh, my laughs. God. So, it, wow. so, which just shows that anything is possible if 
you stick with it long enough. That's it. And in my in my marriages, and this in case there's another guy thinking this, let me let me yeah, I get passionate about this because like, oh my God, if somebody had told me this. See, I married my first wife really because she was the best I thought she could get after three weeks of of knowing each other. I mean, we got along pretty well headspace, but being 160 centimeters in <laughs> no, it's a it's a thing, you know. It's it's I, a I don't real know thing. That issue being uh, six foot three, so <laughs> right, you wouldn't. You know, we we all we all have our own crosses to bear, but that and it's interesting. It's so cool in, in Costa Rica because I'm like I said, the real reason I moved to Costa Rica, you know, the monkeys are great, the the rainforest yeah. is great, but more than anything, it's the priceless Pura Vida feeling of being almost average height. That's why I love. <laughs> That's why I love Costa Rica. And so I marry this woman, and I really had the belief that life's choice was either marry a woman and all your money goes to that, you know, or what she wants, you're mm-hmm. like her, just whatever she wants, or you can keep your money but be alone. The idea that there were actually women out there who weren't materialistic, particularly, you know, who who actually might share my love of just any kind of crazy new wild experience, like being an experiment experience junkie as opposed to a thing junkie. And, and this is, this is guys are going to appreciate why I, why I said, this is when I knew my wife was perfect. We have known each other for two months. We're getting serious. We're getting close to move in with each other. My wife now Raquel, the one that I'm, you know, for the Craigslist dad. Right. And, I realize she doesn't wear any jewelry. She doesn't have nice clothes. I just, I really, imagine a woman that you know her for two months, you see her life, everything she does, you just don't know what you could possibly buy her that you would like because there's no evidence of stuff that she likes. And I said, I want to get you something really nice, but I don't even know what you like. And she said, well, you know how much I read. And if you could get me a computer with a screen that just didn't hurt my eyes so much when I'm reading, that would be so amazing. Oh man. And that's, I mean, I've spoiled her a little, you know, we've yeah. been like now, now she, she won't eat, she won't eat the baked goods here in Costa Rica anymore since we've been to Paris and stuff. But, but so, so she, but, but the point is that three women, you know, who I lost five houses, probably $5 million. Um, because of that belief. Right. And right. So the idea is even if you're making the same mistake, you can you can change it. So the fact that I ended up, you know, after all these experiences here, and part of the reason that I try to be consistent with how I look is really for my wife's benefit. Oh, right. I didn't mention she's 33. I'm 63. Wow. And I'm 33. <laughs> I hang out with so many. I, I end up my no. It, the thing is, I, I end up mostly with millennials, which is so there's a lot yeah. of things. This whole this whole idea of, you know, being younger or how can you how can you feel? How can you feel better? So but in terms of Raquel, it's really that when people see us together and for those who know Spanish, when the waiter comes over and says, hey, Chico's, you would not say Chico's to a 63-year-old. It's kind of like, it's, you know, it's right. like, hey, f- right? right? And so it is so, um, it is so, in- 
is so gratifying for me, really, that she never has an embarrassment. But the funny thing is, and this is another thing, I didn't like the way they treated me in my last tour of, of Europe. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to freaking translate my act into Spanish. And even though my Spanish isn't fluent, that's what I'm going to do. Nice. And I've become Papi Azucar. Azucar means sugar in, in uh, Spanish. Okay. Okay. So I got me. So on I do that. Yeah. So I, so it's like, even the, so it's sort of like, and, you know, so it's, and so I just like walk up, like I just went to a hotel and I do these little things, right? And, and it's a realize that I'm having fun, kind of making fun of myself. Yeah. You know, I have a joke that on my 80th birthday, then I'm going to become Abuelo Azucar, which is grandpa's <laughs> sugar, which is sugar grandpa, right? So, um, yeah. So, all right. Before we now, I should talk about the SAT. Now, let's like, let's pop because it applies in. to that. Let, so even the SAT, even the SAT. But this is okay. The problem I have with the SAT is that most people don't believe me at their at their peril. I actually beat the test in a way that, to my knowledge, nobody else in the world has. And my confirmation of it came from for those of you who have kids and you've seen the Prince Review or heard of the Prince Review or Kaplan, kind of the big tutoring companies in the industry, then I'll tell you about how I met. This is how I met John Katzman, the founder of the Prince Review, and had him say to my face, well, Harvey, I guess I could say our systems are cousins of one another. But to be honest, we at the Prince Review would be your very stupid cousin. <laughs> because when I was 17, I didn't study the way that you, you talked about studying. Right. I actually approached it as an entrepreneur. I, I, I was a precocious 17-year-old kid. I said, what must the SAT be doing to prevent itself from lawsuits? Because how are they proving that their answer is only the right one? Obviously, this is such a contentious thing. There must be there's some, you know, some professor at Harvard who would just die to be able to say, I can prove why Johnny's, that my Johnny's answer is also right. And I said, there must be an objective pattern behind the test that if I could decipher it, I could then turn it into a system and offer that to people to beat the test. That's what I have that nobody else in the world, to my knowledge, has. 54 rules, follow the rules, you get a perfect score. The rules are perfect. You're going to need probably a year of practice to do it. And the way that I met with John Katzman was that 10 years ago, because I feel so passionate about these rules of mine, I was... I was off. I was doing presentations at schools where I would say, "Look, I'll come into your auditorium, and I'll in ninety minutes I will teach all of my fifty-four rules, the secret to a perfect score on an SAT. You can take what charge whatever you want. The money goes to your PTA to any charity you want." And I walked into a Barnes and Nobles in Manhattan, and I noticed that the people doing the gift wrapping were PTA moms okay and it was a slick thing by barnes and noble to figure we'll let you gift wrap for free and you can keep the tips <laughs> well she clearly had been there for hours and it was like three bucks in the chip jar and i said you know what i think i can make you more money you don't have to do anything and i explained how i would come into her school she could charge what she wanted i will do this presentation teacher you know and with the idea that some some kid who knows, some poor kid might take what I teach them and change their life. Right. And she gives me one of those, 
New York, what 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 scam you running on me, buddy? Looks, which gets all the time. It's like you try to be nice, and then they don't even believe you. I get a tap on my shoulder. The woman behind me in line for the gift wrapping. This is how bizarre this is, right? Woman behind me in line. I turn around. She says, "Excuse me, are you Harvey the College Wizard?" Now I haven't been on any podcasts at that point. Right. I'm just okay. I just advertise on Google AdWords a little. Because her boss, John Kasman, the founder of the Prince Review, saw my ads for my unlimited SAT tutoring for a single price. And he, having been in the business for 35 years, couldn't figure out how it could be done. And he said, he can't figure it out. I said, well, I'll meet him and I'll tell him. So I set up a meeting with him and I'm sitting, and, I, and he says, well, you know, what, how, how do you do it? I said, well, my system is better than yours, John. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I can get you to a perfect reading score in one sentence. That's all it takes. You want to know it? And now your leaders, now your listeners get it, but it's going to get right. better. I promise. It's going to get better for your listeners. I promise. Right here, here's the rule. And don't worry, because I'm going to give you this in writing in a very easy way. But the rule is this every word of a correct answer on the reading part, of, and this was the SAT, the ACT, the LSAT, the SSAT, and the PSAT. Okay. Is the only one where every word of the answer matches something in the text you can point to that means the same thing. Mm. What I, I basically figured out how they're creating the questions in the first place, which is they pick a bit of text and they translate it into words you're less likely to see or less familiar with. So the text in the page will say, why do the flowers have a stronger scent? The right SAT answer is, what is the reason for the upper limit on the intensity of the flower's aroma. Mm. It's a paraphrase. Every right. right answer on all these tests is merely a paraphrase of text on the page, which is why I prefer the SAT, even though it works on all these other tests, because the SAT almost always says, this is a question about line three. This is a question about paragraph five. They tell you where to look. And that's how you tell the difference between the almost right answer and the right answer. Both of them will have 10 words. You will discover... The right answer, all 10 will match. The wrong one, nine of the 10 will match. That's why kids get confused. So if you don't read the passages and you simply do this in a very precise way and practice it and learn your vocabulary, it is a guaranteed perfect score, hmm. assuming you use it perfectly. And whether we put a link later or if I made it easy, if anybody searches for Harvey Wizard, right on my website, there's a button that says, get my free 1530 plus SAT course. I put this entire, everything you need to know to get a perfect SAT. I'm giving it away for free. And we will have that in the link for the subscription as well, too. So make sure you check that out. So take us through just a little bit as sure. to where you found this information or how, or how this really came to you. It came to me because I thought there's got to be stuff to find. And, 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 and this is also, I had like 1220 on my PSAT and ended up with a 1580 on my final SAT. Mm, okay. So basically one year of self-training, figuring out these rules, learning words. But the more important thing is that I started teaching SAT when I was a freshman in Dartmouth in 1976. Wow. So this has been kind of a lifelong passion that I used to just teach friends, kids, relatives, kids. 
and I was doing it for all the way along. And basically, in 2010, um, when I, you know, like I, I just got to a point. I said, you know, I'm just, I just want to, I'm just going to do this, this for work. And um, it was because I, again, the opportunity. I was probably the first person to do like what will be called now Zoom SAT tutoring because I was doing it on Skype in 2010. And it's just that I basically I I figure this stuff out. That was how I became an internet multimillionaire because in the early days of Google, and and this is also when I, sometimes when I do talks on an entrepreneur shows, the, my best advice to people, which will work for parenting or anything in your life, is pay attention. There's stuff that if you pay attention. You're like, oh my God, nobody did this, but I could do it this way. So the real way that I made all the money was in the early days of Google, there weren't any rules. It was like the Wild West. And I was selling something and they wanted you to, to bid in a certain way. But I said, well, what if I bid this way? What if I, what if I use state ab abbreviations as my keywords because they're so big? Right. And if I can just write an ad that gets that to get people to click at least 1%. You, then you got something going on. I, I made $20 Dang. million dollars in seven years. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but so, so, and, and with the SAT, so what I'm telling people is that I'm, what I'm offering that's why, because people are like, why would you, do you know people are really like, why, why would you do this? Why, the, the idea of altruism as being such a weird thing that people really don't trust it. it. It's taboo, but it's like, you're not genuine enough, but you really are genuine. It becomes this really weird feeling. I know exactly where you're coming from. I know exactly where you're at with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I'm looking at, and again, this, the thing about my daughter it definitely pushes me to say things like I'm saying, that this is your opportunity as a parent. I'm giving you this thing for free. I'm telling you that, yeah, I could have probably sold it for $10 million to right. the Princeton Review and just made a bunch of money, and then they would have diluted it, and they would have, you know... I mean, my, my greatest... My greatest pride is I'm giving this away for free, and I just saw that John Katzman is charging for $1,000 an hour to, for him to tutor USAT. Wow. And actually, just so just something that I did, before I, I, I started doing a bunch of podcasts a few months ago, I said, yeah, I want to get out there. I want to do these. I want to do podcasts. And before I did, I actually sent John Katzman, because we're linked up on LinkedIn, and I said, just so you know, I'm going to tell this story. And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be more wonderful for you to join me? Actually, you know, give some because he's not in the he's not in Prince Review anymore. He's another reason. I said, wouldn't it be lovely for you to join me since you're the one who said it so good? Give it validity and actually make more people because what I want to do is I want to offer this as pilot programs to schools. Sure, right? Train the teachers, um, and. In, in using the system because it's just no one else came up with one. No one realized you could come up with one probably because fundamentally most people approach the SAT as an educator. I approach everything as an entrepreneur. It's kind of 
what's possible, you know, what's out, what's outside the box. I mean, even, and, and all the things that I've been able to, do, many of the things that I've been able to do in my life that people think are impossible are just because if it's something you want to do, even if no one's done it, you can develop a plan right, and make it happen. And you can teach, and like I said, when people, if people work with me, sometimes I'm surprised. But I think it's people don't believe it. I'm like, you're you're too young. But when I was growing up, there was this there was this there was this um, TV show called The Millionaire. And the premise was you never saw the millionaire; you only saw uh, his his hands, right, in the back of his chair. And he was talking to his assistant, and um, his assistant's job was to give this million-dollar check. This isn't like in the late 60s, so we're a million dollars or a million dollars. Give this million-dollar check to the person that the millionaire had selected. And part first, they, you know, they show like the person's obviously in a bad way and they really need the money. That's the first part of the show. Right. But then the last part of the show is the difficulty of this guy getting them to believe it's real and take the check. And that's how I feel it's, it's a lot the of the power. time. It's the power. You, you finally get what you want and you don't believe it's real. And I think that's a big issue when we're talking a lot about this kind of stuff today. I mean, you've you've shared pretty much your whole life story in this last hour, <laughs> let's be honest. But it, it's been good stuff to pick up on and for a lot of us to realize like, hey, we all come from shitty circumstances. But it's how we perceive those things. It's how we discipline ourselves to overcome these obstacles because yes. I'm a huge believer that the world gives you what you can handle at any one time, no more, no less. So if you could go in with a mindset similar to that, you can understand like, okay, I know this is working for me, not against me. What are the challenges I need to overcome? Same thing with SATs. I mean, it really, you could combine, you could combine the thought process of perception discipline and just a little bit of hard work I, th- I think that's like the culminating effect of all of this episode today just taking those three little pieces and just saying you know what i could do this you know absolutely if, if they could do this i could do this and 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 as we're finishing this up today harvey i just kind of want to get your idea like what's like one more call to action you have for our listeners or something that you need them to go out to do to really to really hammer this home for them today Sure. Well, and it and it really breaks down to the discipline we started with. Because here's the thing: I, if a kid comes to us and actually puts in, we ask for like thirty minutes a day. We say starting in tenth or eleventh grade, thirty minutes a day. And sometimes I, I'm so happy if a parent come, if there's a parent of a sixth, seventh, or eighth grader, mm-hmm. you know, or, or younger. Get them reading every day and then increase, teach, make them, give them four or five words of the day. That's another thing because kids are not reading that much. When someone comes to me in 11th grade for SAT or anybody, if they come with a, any kind of, with either vocabulary or reading comprehension deficiency, it can be fixed, but it's super hard work because then on top of learning the test, you actually have to sort of remediate your reading ability. And and that's something that upsets me about schools, that they don't actually use a reading curriculum 
of what shows up in the SAT. Your mm-hmm. kid needs to be reading, by the time they get into the SAT, they need to be able to read and fully understand texts like Dickens, like the historical, you know, like Thomas Paine. And, and, right. Well, it's not so much Shakespeare, but it's, but there is, Actually, I don't think I've seen Shakespeare um, on the SAT, but there's there's Woodrow Wilson speeches of Woodrow Wilson, and these are things. And again, it's if somebody gets my course, my free course, I've got twenty five hundred vocabulary words in there, and I've got the full reading list of stuff you should be reading. So there's, but it's that if you, why wouldn't you want to teach your kid? You know, just whether it's practicing an instrument, that you do something a little bit every day. So if you start the reading and the vocabulary every day, if the kid just real expects, I'm going to be doing... So 30 minutes a day, a kid working for me 30 minutes a day, by the time they're done, they not only have a 15, 30 or better SAT score, I will guide them to create at least three businesses and charities. I will show them how to be written up all over the internet for what they've done. I will show them how to turn their life into the kind of story that gets them in. And again, whether you work with me or not, if you actually built the 30-minute-a-day routine of just doing something with that level of persistence, you've not only set your kid up for college, then you know they've learned the secret to success in everything. I love it. So take that that thirty minutes a day. It may it may seem like a lot to your kid, but it's going to pay out huge dividends. If you could watch an episode in thirty minutes, or you could binge watch for eight hours, you could read for a half hour a day. I promise you. Oh, reading, suck. I only ask for fifteen minutes. Just there just you because. go. Even, fifteen. Let's minutes. even cut that in half. Fifteen <laughs> minutes, people. Let's go. Let's go. You could do that a day. Come on now, Harvey. I got to thank you, brother, for being on the show. It was an absolute honor to have you on. I, I feel like. We've known each other for years now after hearing so many amazing stories, after hearing that you've been exiled from the entire world. So, you know, what? <laughs> but no, in all honesty, it was absolutely honored to have you on, brother. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And make sure you go check out Harvey's free course. The link for that is in the description of this episode. Do not miss that stuff if you want yourself or your children to succeed. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Oh, my great pleasure. 